pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somewhere past the pandemic, masks will come off. No more need for a nose swab every time we cough. Somewhere past the pandemic, we'll hug our friends and thank the people and science that brought the pandemic's end. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Man, I'm really confused. I, I thought the worst Christmas song show was last night. I, <laughs> if you're wondering what the heck just came out of my speaker, and is it too late to put it back in, that was the farewell song. I mean, you talk about a swan song. He sang his way out of his job. Dr. Francis Collins is leaving the uh, NIH position. He left with a song. It sounds like he left just in time, doesn't it? Like it's probably time for Grandpa to go back to his room. You know what I'm saying? You know, like it's he, you know, somebody help him up the stairs and get him his pudding, put his put his story on. Yeah, that that really happened. We are in the best of hands, aren't we? We're <laughs> we're in great shape. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show. I guess maybe not so dreadful after that. I don't know. Uh, Jack Riccardi here on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. This is a very special show today. I mean, I feel like they're all special in their own way, like your children are. But uh, today, in our 6 o'clock hour, we will be uh, hosting Ken Slavin with some musical accompaniment. We will be hosting our uh, sponsors, and we'll be having our finale thank you mini concert for Rapping with Jack. And we'll be streaming that on our KTSA Facebook page, and we will have it here on the radio. So you can listen to it on the radio, or you can see what it looks like on Facebook. I I am one of those people who would prefer not to be seen, but I think you should watch for Ken Slavin, and he's going to do these songs, and we're going to have these wonderful people that helped us for rapping with Jack. Uh, again, had I known when I started in radio that there would be a visual component, I would have taken much better care of myself, but... It's too late for that now. We'll be streaming it at 6, and you'll hear it here on the radio as well. If you're driving at 6, I recommend the radio you know, version. Don't, don't, I, I'd hate for anybody to be watching our show while you're driving. So, so um, this is happening in Los Angeles, and this is interesting. Uh, uh, and it's interesting that it would be happening there, but I think this is going to happen a lot. They announced yesterday the school district in L.A., it's called the Los Angeles Unified School District. They announced that they are postponing the vaccine mandate. Um, and they're postponing it uh, because there are 28,000 students still 
unvaccinated. So the deadline was going to be right when the kids come back from the holiday break in early January. Now they need to be vaccinated by next school year, so the fall of 2022. And they made kind of a, I don't know, kind of a pissy announcement about it where they said, um, this is just an evolution of our previous position. We didn't cave in to uh, pressure or resistance. In fact, um, one of the members of the school board named Jackie Goldberg told the Los Angeles Times, I want to tell those of you who come to the meetings and think you pushed us back, no, you didn't. Well, um, yeah, they did. 28,000 students can't be expelled from the school. 28,000 students can't be skipped over. And you're seeing it around the country, right? We had the story the other day about how Amtrak had to back down because they couldn't keep the trains running. They didn't have enough people. And I think you're going to find in areas of transportation and logistics and public safety that eventually... These mandates will not be workable and enforceable if there are too many people that you either have to fire or keep at home. You can't do whatever your mission is to do. I'm not saying this because I don't think you should get the vaccine or I'm against the vaccine. I'm saying it because this is what mandates and dictatorship runs into. You know, there's an old saying when the chips are down, people will say, well, they can't arrest all of us or they can't fire all of us. And we're finding out right now that that's true. By the way, the Minister of Health for South Africa has released another statement saying that the rates of hospitalizations and deaths in that country, that's the country that saw the first wave of the Omicron variant, remain relatively low. His statement and the conditions he's reporting in South Africa are at odds with what our officials and politicians are doing here and and in many other places uh, around the world. He's telling South Africans to be safe and reasonable, but not to let it interfere with or prevent their joyous Christmas and New Year's celebrations. That's what they're saying in the place where Omicron hit first and hardest. President Biden was talking about the vaccine mandate issue Yesterday we played this, but I want to, I want to revisit it. Um, he was asked about the mandates and whether he would continue to push or accede to the the numerous court decisions that have been setbacks for him. Um, and he said two things that weren't true. He said this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's already been disproven by the by the numbers. And he said you can't spread COVID if you've been vaccinated, and that is easily the most inaccurate thing anyone in the government has said about the vaccine to date. That's just not true. Again, that's not a knock on the vaccine, but let's be honest about this. People who have been vaccinated can carry a viral load, and they can transmit the virus to somebody else. It can happen. It does happen. But the president also said, what's the big deal? regarding mandates what's the big deal why are people uh what's all this talk about independence why don't people just act patriotically and what he's saying is patriotism is the same thing as silence patriotism is the same thing 
as obedience. Uh, as the famous movie line goes, I don't think you know what that word means. Patriotism is not just saluting your flag and going where your country sends you. Sometimes it is. The greatest generation was an illustration of that. But sometimes patriotism is standing up for your rights. Because ultimately everything, government, our military, everything that we have, everything that we, that we count as part of America is about our individual rights. And your rights and my rights. This is what it's all about. If President Biden sees himself as a public servant, he would get that. And um, somebody, I, I don't know who, said sometime that the worst thing that can happen to a free society is when people are convinced that restrictions are more important than freedoms. And you could also add to that when people believe that restricting their neighbor's activities is more important than restricting the activities of their government. If this pandemic has done one horrible thing to us, it's caused too many of us to believe that our duty is to scold one another, to report one another, to shame one another. We have completely forgotten that you and I, we are all in the same boat. The government is not in that boat. And government will never be in that boat. Our job, if we're going to stay a free people, is to recognize when government is is going too far. You know, the founders did that. They didn't go right to the revolution option. They tried to restrain the British crown. It was only when they failed repeatedly and they had tried over and over patiently to reform, to ask for and, and politely request reform, to petition for their grievances and, and, and regain their freedoms as British subjects. It was only when they failed at all of that. The last resort was the American Revolution. It wasn't the first resort. That's what patriots do. That's what patriotism is. I want to talk about that at 210-599-5555. I saw a number today that doesn't surprise me, won't surprise you. It's a new analysis uh, of inflation from uh, the Wharton Business School. It says that the um, inflation this year, in the year 2021, will cost the typical American household, if there is such a thing, I don't know if any of us are exactly the typical American household, but will cost the typical American household $3,500 this year. Now, that's presuming that you're trying to consume the same amount of goods and services, you're using the same amount of food and fuel and so forth as you did the previous year. $3,500 hit to your bottom line. You may not have known that number. You certainly have felt that pinch. And I was thinking about that today because for all the the promises that politicians make during an election, and I don't know if you've noticed, but both parties now have to always promise pretty much the same thing. We're going to save you on taxes. We're going to tax rich people more. The truth is that if you are out an extra $3,500 this year, you've been taxed. 
Because the, the inflation that everybody is talking about isn't something that blew in with the wind like the Saharan dust. Inflation is a, is a direct product of government policies. Inflation happens as a response to certain inputs. And so when you have inflation, you got it from the government, from things they did or did not do. And this is the hit they didn't tell you about. This is the tax they didn't tell you about. $3,500 out of your year's spending, saving, earning. It's a lot of money. Again, that's just a typical number. Yours might be even more. Today's the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Everybody, I think, learns about it in school, right? The Boston Tea Party, December 16th, 1773. Uh, you hear that the... The guys led by Sam Adams uh, jumped onto the the ships of the British East India Company and threw 500-some chests of tea into Boston Harbor. I remember as a kid thinking, did that mean the whole harbor was like a giant cup of tea? I didn't know. You know, <laughs> you wonder, right? Um, but why did that happen? We, we sometimes don't follow through or we kind of gla- gloss over, well, they were mad at the British or they were uh, getting ready to... Kiss, uh, kiss off the king. But really what was happening in the 1770s in this country was American colonists were British subjects. They, they were loyal to the king. They were loyal to parliament. That was their government. They thought it always would be. But like we are today, they were mad at the people in their government. They were mad at the things that their government was doing. Now at this point, they didn't dream of replacing it or overthrowing it. But they had every right, in fact, duty, to speak up and speak out. They would be less than men if they didn't do that. And there was a whole controversy about uh, how uh, taxes were being levied, and uh, the colonies were very dependent on the shipping and the commerce. So there was a protest um, but it wasn't just about high taxes. It was about rights and representation. And in the beginning of the resistance, if you will, the idea was the rights of Englishmen. But an interesting thing happened along the way. The American Revolution became about the rights of mankind. So it started out being very very narrow in its focus. This is about the rights of Englishmen. But the reason the Declaration of Independence and the American Revolution have inspired so many people around the world, so many other revolutions around the world, even to this day, is because it became about the rights of mankind. And something that they don't talk about very much when they teach this in school, and you can understand why, because it's an unpleasant subject for Public, public schools, public educators, is those rights were seen as sacred. Those rights were from divinity. They weren't from the king or the parliament. They weren't just tradition. Alexander Hamilton had a great quote about this. He said, the sacred rights of man, notice now he's not saying British men, man. The sacred rights of man are not among old parchments or musty records. They are written as with a sunbeam in the whole volume of human nature by the hand of divinity 
and can never be erased by mortal power. That's an incredibly powerful, beautiful image. And that's what this was about. And if you fast forward to today, a funny thing has happened. Remember when Donald Trump was president? If you wrote a column, if you talked about him stealing the election, if you wrote about how things really were inside the White House, if you worked inside the government to thwart his agenda, you were a patriot. And we were told over and over again, sometimes literally in these words, dissent is the highest form of patriotism. Remember hashtag resistance? That all started in 2016. And what's weird now is the people that were singing from that songbook have lost all the lyrics. Dissent is no longer the highest form of patriotism. Recently, there was a column in the Washington Post making the argument that the media are going too hard on Biden. No kidding, no joke. They really wrote this. They've been too hard on him. The media aren't giving him a chance, wrote Dana Milbank. And a bunch of other people chimed in and said, yeah, that's right. We've got we to gotta back off. We've got to go easier on this guy. So I'm trying to understand if dissent's the highest form of patriotism, and calling out the performance of a president is the highest form of dissent. What happened? Did they mean it when they were saying it four years ago or five years ago? Or was it just personal? Let's not make this too complicated. It was, it was personal, and not personal about Donald Trump, although I, I'm sure they didn't like him. It was personal about them. They were getting all the hurts. Because somebody was not listening to them. Somebody was not kowtowing to them. Somebody was blowing up their sacred cows and showing that you didn't have to do it their way. It was personal. It wasn't about dissent as the highest form of patriotism. But remember all the times you heard that and all the examples that were cited and how that's gone completely away. Right now there are two Democrats, just two, in the U.S. Senate, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who are not exactly Samuel Adams, but they're, you know, gently, somewhat resisting the extreme leftward tilt of the Biden agenda. You would think if dissent was the highest form of patriotism, they would be showered with awards. They'd spend every weekend at a banquet being recognized for their patriotism and their courage but instead Kirsten Sinema got followed into the bathroom and Joe Manchin is being uh, accused of belonging to the Klan so don't believe what people say believe what they do and these people have no idea about dissent and patriotism I don't think you tell me. Very big ruling, very important ruling from the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals on the issue of uh, prosecuting electoral misconduct. Let's bring in Brandon Waltons from TexasScorecard.com. Talk about what this means. Uh, the court, Brandon, said that uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton cannot uh, prosecute um, these cases. Only district attorneys and county attorneys can do that. And right away, one of the problems people see with that is that right now we have a lot of 
district attorneys and county attorneys that are Soros-funded activist attorneys. They have no interest in policing or cleaning up the way we vote. Yes, exactly right. I mean, I think we've seen where district attorneys, particularly in some of the areas like like Harris County, like a lot of these bigger counties where they kind of have uh, their fiefdoms um, and may not be exactly unbiased when it comes to investigation of electoral misconduct, be it election fraud or campaign finance violations. Uh, we've got a ruling from the Court of Criminal Appeals. This is the highest criminal court in the state uh, this week that said that job, despite uh, you know legislation that has been passed that, that kind of uh, tries to give that authority to the attorney general as well to go after that. Um, they, they said that actually constitutionally that's 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 not that's uh, uh, not allowed, and that uh, really it's only the the local attorneys that can go after these types of cases. And in your article, you mentioned or someone mentioned that there could be that that could be remedied with a constitutional amendment. Is there any movement to do that? Well, I've certainly seen uh, some folks calling for it immediately. I've seen a couple of lawmakers as well as uh, uh, some activists saying, look, uh, we've got this ruling now. The only thing that can fix it is to actually change the Constitution, which, of course, we, we, we do often in Texas. And, and that requires uh, just a two-thirds vote out of the House, two-thirds vote out of the Senate, uh, and then, of course, being put on the ballot for, for Texans to vote on. Um, right now, the legislature is not in session, though. So this is kind of another item that is being added now to this list. Uh, of reasons why a lot of, of concerned conservatives right now are calling for a fourth uh, special session saying, mm-hmm. look, uh, we, we can't wait. We, we need lawmakers down here. Mm-hmm. And and so they were recognizing in their decision, yes, there is legislation that empowers the attorney general to do it, but that that legislation itself is in violation of the separation of powers in the Texas Constitution. Exactly, saying it's unconstitutional. And really, if you look at the ruling itself, I mean, I think uh, uh, talking to some uh, conservative attorneys, they say, look, the ruling itself for separation of powers, for limited government, uh, for the things we like, is actually a good ruling. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the negative side effect of that right now, though, of course, is the fact that these election cases, right, not be able to be prosecuted by the uh, attorney general. But again, this is something they say, if we can just go in there uh, and, and pass a constitutional amendment and add that responsibility, uh, that that would fix all this. Brandon Waltons, TexasScorecard.com. Brandon, thanks for the reporting on this. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, it's 444 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. So the president yesterday was saying, what's the big deal? Freedom schmeedum. Get your vaccine. Get your test. This is what it sounded like when he said it. Take a listen. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is coming up here after we check KTSA Time Saver Traffic. There's a story in the news today, and, and these stories have become so familiar that you're apt to confuse one episode for another. And I'm talking about the kind of story where an angry parent addresses a school committee or a school board. And you've seen a lot and heard a lot of those on this show and other places. But after the the traffic check, I'm going to play one for you that is different, that is about something different. And this is why, Mr. President, freedom matters. This is why Americans are awakening 
uh, to their disappearing freedom. A lot of angry parents, a lot of school board meetings, one of the fixtures or features of 2021. Um, this is going on at the um, school board in the Spreckles Union School District in California. Um, and apparently it's happening in some other places too, but the one I'm about to play from you is there. So these schools have um, these LGBTQ uh, student clubs called Gay Straight Alliance Clubs. And the lady you're about to hear, uh, her name is Jessica Conan, says that the school, the advisors on the, on the staff, the faculty to these clubs, um, coached her 12-year-old daughter uh, into joining the club and coached her to identify and, and you know, sort of um, recognize in herself her LGBTQ identity. So it's one thing, I don't think too many people would object to the idea that there's a club for everyone or there's a club for people that have interests, proclivities, whatever. But it's something else to recruit, right? And that's what she says uh, they were doing. And um, there are now leaked audio recordings um, where, uh, and this is from meetings of the California Teachers Association, where teachers that advise these clubs are talking about how to get students involved, how to recruit students into what are called gay-straight alliance clubs, and mocking parents over their concerns about this. And so all of this plays into the the emotion you're going to hear in this lady's voice as she speaks to her school board meeting. Cut number three. Listen to this let these teachers come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. A mistake? How long of a mistake? How many mistakes are we going to take before my child almost lost her life? They didn't tell me that my child, you allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching predatorial information to a young child, a mindful child that doesn't even know how to comprehend it all. How do you not know what was going on on your own campuses? Did you think that no parent would ever come forward? You will not quiet me today. I will stand here today and protect my child along with every other child who has not come forward yet. Do you, do you, do they have psychiatry degrees that I was unaware of? Because I didn't hire them. Okay, I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain. You took away my ability to parent my child. Even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. You planted seeds, Ms. Caldera, and Ms. Baraki, Mr. Brock, and you, Ms. Pagarin. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine. They assumed, they assumed that my child needed your aid and resources. They pushed it in the face. And tonight, I will stick up for her. Ms. Caldera, you're guilty. Ms. Baraki, you're guilty. You changed her personal documentation, her gender, her name, her email. I authorized an AKA added to her attendance because I wanted to be supportive. 
But guess what? She's allergic to bees. Her medical record says a birth name, and you changed it. Who administers that now? Not everything. Not me. You guys did this on your own accountability, and you've gone too far. They downgraded me in front of my child and allowed me to question myself as the mother. You sat there and told me how my child was going to be. And then you wrapped your hands around her while I sat across the table and cried. Because you thought you could be there better than I, and I never got a chance. She was scared to even say anything. Your guys' voice were heard, not hers. So what happened was, um, near the end of the last school year, her daughter told her mother, I think I might be bisexual. And the following school year, she was called in, uh, the mom was called into a, to a meeting. At the meeting, her daughter was sitting on one side of the table with the principal and a couple of teachers, all of them arrayed against the mother. And the purpose of the meeting was to inform the mother that her daughter was now transfluid. And I'm sorry, I, I can't even keep up. Well, I'm so old, transfluid was something you used to add to your car. I, I, I've heard of gender fluid, so I guess transfluid is another version of that or one more click of the of the preference dial. Don't ask me, I don't know. She said that the tone of the meeting was anger. They were letting her know in no uncertain terms this was her daughter's decision, and they were there to back her up against her mother. They scolded the mother when she referred to her daughter as she, because that's not her pronoun anymore. They accused the mother of not being emotionally supportive enough. They informed the mother that the daughter was now recorded in the school records under a new name. That's why she's referring to the daughter's allergy to bee stings, because she's afraid that if the bee sting record is under the girl's girl name or old name, and God forbid she has a, an allergic reaction, they're not going to know that this new transfluid person with a boy name is the one that has the bee allergy. That's what she was talking about. So, I don't know if you're outraged yet or not. I can keep going, but, I mean, this would make you either want to knock your head against the wall or put your fist through the wall. Then... To add insult to injury, or injury to insult, a few days later, the local police showed up at her door, the mother, to tell her that a CPS complaint had been made, and they questioned her two other children and asked them if they would like to be removed from the home. Now, Jessica Conan complied with and cooperated with all of this perhaps more than you and I would. And eventually CPS dropped the case. And um, what she's really saying is, how dare you? It's one thing to support students that are gay or have, you know, are struggling with their gender identity. I don't think the school is the best place for that. I think we could all agree it isn't. But if you want to have a resource for that or a, a, an ability to meet or if you want to have a club, but you have no business, as she aptly put it, planting the seed in somebody's mind or heart, and especially at that age. She's moved her daughter 
out of that school. Her daughter is now using, again, her name and her feminine pronouns. Her daughter told her mother, Mom, these are not good people. So, my question to you is, and this is what I want to say to President Biden, uh, this is the big deal. This is why people are pushing back and questioning. This is why people in authority are so shocked to not get automatic and immediate and 100% cooperation and compliance and obedience from all of us on everything. Because there's a whole lot of people, and my parents were like this, and maybe your parents were like this. My parents were not troublemakers. They regarded themselves as law-abiding citizens. If the school said something needed to be done, they did it. They trusted authority figures. We were raised, I was raised to trust the police, to trust people in authority. If you got lost, find a man or woman in a uniform. They trusted all of, if you will, all of the authority in their lives. But they lived in a time when that authority lived up to that trust. And we are now drowning in examples of that authority not living up to that trust. We are mistrustful of what's happening at school. That may have started for a lot of people with the distance learning because they finally got to see it. What an incredible unintended consequence of distance learning that turned out to be. They, If they could have that to do over again, I wonder if they'd do it because it opens so many people's eyes. It tore the cover off so much of what's going on. Is it so unreasonable to say, look, we pay you to teach them, not to mold them, not to shape them, not to determine their sexual or gender destiny? Maybe that is going to be a journey for some people. Maybe some people are going to struggle to find themselves sexually or, or gender-wise. But is that your job? Are you, are you actually suitable, appropriate, responsible to guide a student in that? You know, one of the pushback arguments I've had many times on this show over the years when we've questioned something that schools are doing, I often will hear from a teacher. I'm sure we'll hear from them today. But I'll often hear from teachers, and they'll be very angry, and they'll say, well, Jack, you don't understand. We have to do X, Y, and Z, because what you don't realize is parents aren't doing it anymore. Parents aren't parenting, and kids are coming in here, and they have all kinds of needs and, uh, and issues, and if we didn't help them, nobody would help them. And, I, and believe it or not, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you about that point. I realize that you do get kids that go to school in all kinds of states of chaos. You get kids that go to school that haven't been taken care of health-wise, haven't eaten properly, haven't had enough sleep. Nobody is checking to see if they do their homework. Nobody's checking to know where they are, or even if they're in school. I, I know that's true. I'm not naive about that. I may only be raising one kid, but I have some idea of what's going on with the other one. But that still is a far cry from this. You know, if you want to keep some granola bars in your classroom for kids that don't have anything to eat, I think that's admirable. 
I know a lot of teachers pay out of their own pocket to feed kids or give them school supplies or get them nice, you know, warm socks or something when they don't have it. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's the work of the angels. God bless you for doing that. That's a far cry from reshaping my kids' gender identity, <laughs> assigning her new pronouns. How dare you? And by the way, at a time when it's pretty clear, and, and again, I know this is going to make people mad, but somebody has to say it, you're not doing the job you're, you're supposed to be doing. Public education is failing our kids. It's not competent or competitive with the world. It's not equal to the needs of the American workplace, the modern American workplace. It's not college preparatory. Ask the colleges. They're having to basically do the 13th grade in freshman year. So you've got some nerve taking on roles and responsibilities no one gave you when you're not doing the ones we did give you and had presumed you were doing. What do you think? What do you think about this story? 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. How would you have felt if it was your daughter or your son? And and you know, a lot of kids are th- this. This child, I believe, was around eleven or twelve when this started. The story has played out over a couple of years, a few years' time. So, if you think about that age, there's a lot of confusion about everything at that age. You're making your mind up about what you like to eat, length of your hair, what you wear, what you listen to. It's probably, I hate to say this, and I, I, I hope you won't take it the wrong way, it's probably the best time to tamper. But how dare you? All right, 210-599-5555. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. Uh, parent of a uh, then 12-year-old daughter uh, in the Spreckles Union School District in California, uh, angrily addressing the school board recently on the odyssey of her daughter being coached and encouraged to become transfluid, change her pronouns. The mom was confronted by teachers and the principal as if they were the child's advocate toward her, against her, even calling the police and CPS on this parent. Um, it, it, it's clear that some people have assigned themselves all kinds of new powers and responsibilities. But you know what else is clear? I say responsibility, but it's not the same. When we as parents make a decision about our kids, we will live with that decision for the rest of our lives. We don't, we can't send that bill to somebody else, right? If we fail our kids, if we say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, set the wrong example, that's on us. But you know that these schools move on. They're not going to be around for what they've created. They're not going to be around to pick up the pieces if it doesn't work, if it falls apart, if there's confusion. You know, I keep hearing the experts talk about how one of the the most uh, significant factors in school shootings is how psychologically frail and confused so many young people are bullied and this and that and confused about where they're going and, and life. 
Seems like if you knew that, you'd, you'd walk very gingerly and delicately in your work with them. And you wouldn't just decide to unscrew the top of their head and scramble things and then put the top back on. Let's see what happens. I mean, aren't these the people that should know better than anyone that you don't mess around with stuff like this? But that's what they're doing. 210-599-5555. Rebecca is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Rebecca, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Um, well, um, I would definitely like to comment. I am mortified at the school, but I am very proud of that mom and the way she conducted herself. And I hope it reached out to, um, I hope it reached out to the world. And there is steps and corrective action needs to make about, uh, needs to be done with those individuals. Um, I'm fuming. I'm not fuming with her. Um, yeah. and I, I'll, I'll support her. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of her soldiers, you know, and I really hope that she's listening to know that there's probably tens of thousands of parents who feel exactly the same way she does. Mm-hmm. I never forget when I see any of those tapes, whenever I see those YouTube videos or those clips, I never forget how hard it is for for a person, a mom or a dad, to stand up and do that. You know, I, I talk for a living. I talk to a lot of people. But for most people, that's, that is an incredibly hard thing to do. I know she feels it, but just getting up and exposing yourself and, and um, facing up to people that can be very intimidating and have power over you, that's a powerful thing. I think she got, when she made that comment about how they made her feel that they were wrapping her arms, their arms around her child while she's mm-hmm. sobbing, mm-hmm. she had to go to a very dark place and then come out of it. Mm-hmm. As a parent, that right there was probably a breakthrough moment for her and gave her the strength to do what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that it came to that point, but I hope this is a wake-up call for the schools and those individuals who thinks who think it's their right, who think it's their place, um, and she's right, and I think you're right. Teach to teach them what we send them to school for. Right. You know, we all pay taxes, even the people who don't have children. You know, and I think anybody who doesn't have children, they were once a child. How would they feel? Right. You know, um, but yeah, no, she's got, um, she's got me as a supporter and, uh, whatever she needs, man. Yeah, me too. I'll do it. Thanks, Rebecca. I appreciate the call. Great, great, great points. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I appreciate having you on our show. Um, I keep thinking about, like I said, my my mom and dad and, and maybe yours came from a generation where, um, it would have been unthinkable to go yell at the school board. (laughs) Because your your whole notion of that was these are these are college educated experts. They know about education. They're the you know they're the experts. They would no more have yelled at the school board than they would have yelled at their doctor if he gave them some news they didn't want to hear or gave them a pill they didn't want to take. But we've got to break that mold. 
And see, for people like us, we're the first ones, like Rebecca's saying, to have that that realization or that moment. But it's not the school board your parents dealt with 40 or 50 years ago or 30 years ago. These are not the public servants of 40 years ago. These are not the elected officials even of of 40 years ago. Now, I believe there are teachers and people in the classroom that still have a heart for teaching and a heart for kids. I believe there's as many people in the teaching profession who are horrified by this as there are parents who are horrified by this. Maybe we'll hear from them. Although I, I understand it can be very can be very daunting to even speak out if you are a teacher, and I don't blame you. But this is not our parents' world. And their, their sort of blind respect for uh, authority is now dangerous. You know, I, I've, I've said this jokingly, half-jokingly, many times when we've talked about the old days on this show. We'll say, remember how we were in school and I was in school? If you got in trouble in school, you were in trouble at home. There was no daylight. If my second-grade teacher said Jack did such-and-such such on the playground, uh, that was it. There, there wasn't any fact-finding. They believed it. The only question was what they were going to do about it. And they picked up where she left off or he left off in, in terms of consequences. It's different now. And um, that's hard to wrap your head around. And then, and then the other thing I was, I was getting at with Rebecca was I, 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 am, I marvel at how many people who have never publicly spoken before, have never given a, a speech or a, a, a presentation, have never been on television before. You know, most of these, most of these um, meetings are at least streamed, if not uh, shown on local cable. It's, it's an incredible phenomenon that people who are not activists, politicians, media, are speaking out, speaking up, speaking with such power. Something is, something is stirring. And I don't think it can be put back in the bottle. And I hope it won't be. Fantastic Christmas music coming up after 6. We'll be streaming on Facebook and here on the radio. Ken Slavin, Barry Brake. And some of our favorite people from our Rappin' with Jack campaign. It's our finale for this year's Rappin' with Jack effort. And that'll be after 6, again, on the radio and on the 550 KTSA Facebook page. So uh, here's what the airlines are saying uh, if you're flying over Christmas or New Year's or getting in a little trip while you have some time off or going to see family. Uh, the reason you've heard about and had so many flights uh, being canceled is because, say the airline CEOs, um, they are having trouble getting pilots and flight crews, hiring them back, staffing them up, uh, staffing the planes. And that has combined with winter weather and heavier travel volume uh, into sort of a perfect storm, says the CEO of American Airlines. Well, that's what they're saying. So their version of it is we're heroically trying to get you where you want to go, and it's a, it's a perfect storm. Do you believe that? Are you buying that? I, I really have to wonder if these people drink the Kool-Aid or just serve it. 
you know? Um, <laughs> in the first place, any industry that fired a lot of people during COVID s- surely could not have, exp- and don't call me Shirley, surely could not have expected that they would just be available to come right back when they were wanted again. And if they really believed that, they probably need to get a, a refund on their business degree because that's not how it works. So a lot of people left the hospitality industry and the airline industry because that industry left them. And I know this from talking to people. I've had, I've had countless people tell me this. And some of them really were pained about it. They didn't want to do it. They thought they would work for that airline or work uh, in that industry for their whole working life. The other thing that's happening right now is people are resisting and protesting the mandates. And some industries, as we talked about last hour, are already recognizing that the mandate is costing them too much in terms of personnel. Whatever they thought they were going to do, whether they were trying to show loyalty to Biden or whether they really believed in in, in vaccine mandates, it's blown up in their face because they, they can't keep enough people, they can't retain enough people to do what they need to do. We're finding that in medicine, we're finding that in a lot of fields. I think that's got to be what's going on in the airlines. So you had people that left because they were furloughed, fired, whatever, and they're, they're not coming back. They don't want to come back in an atmosphere where they're going to be understaffed and overstressed. You know, if you go back to an industry where there's not enough people, you know you're going to have a, a, a terrible experience, right? And then just to add insult to injury, you're, you're being... Uh, they're, they're demanding that you get this jab. And maybe you were going to get it anyway, or you would have gotten it under your own power. But there's something about being told you have to. We're making you. We're threatening your paycheck if you don't. You'll be sorry. They have no idea how many people, I've said this before and I'll say it again, they have no idea how many people they have turned into resistors who weren't necessarily anti-vaccine or anti-this vaccine. They completely misread the human nature piece of this. And they're still doing it. Even yesterday, the President of the United States, admittedly not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but the President, still with the whole freedom schmiedem, what's what's the big deal, he said rhetorically. He's finding out. We all are. Big news in the sports world. Overnight, the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL firing coach Urban Meyer after only 13 games. This is a big deal. If you're not a sports fan, I'll just tell you, Jacksonville Jaguars are not a powerhouse team. It it wouldn't surprise most people most years if they were cellar dwellers. But Urban Meyer was brought in as the most prestigious guy coming out of college coaching. He had coached at some of the powerhouse programs, most recently Ohio State. He had had great success in his previous outings. They brought him in to rebuild Jacksonville. They had the number one draft pick. They picked uh, Trevor Lawrence, their quarterback. Um, And it blew up. And again, if you're not a sports fan, I'll just explain this to you. I'll be your I'll be your sports friend, okay? The on paper this was supposed to work great. 
But the reality isn't surprising people that are college football fans. They had a bad feeling about this from the start. And I think, for me, the miscalculation, and I've seen this happen before, is that in college, you are you have complete power over these athletes. They're student athletes. They're amateurs. They're uh, dependent on many of them on the scholarship that brought them to the program. They may be uh, aspiring to play professional football, and that means they've got to play their heart out, get on the field as much as they can, succeed, showcase their talent, all of which depends on their relationship with the coach. You can be a bully. You can be a blowhard. You can be abusive. You can be, but you can, I mean, you can also be great. You can be inspirational and, and, uh, and, you know, coach with love. You, but, but you can get results a lot of different ways in college. There's college coaches that do it with success a lot of different ways. Everyone who knew Urban Meyer said that's not going to work in professional football. Those guys are businessmen. They've made it. There was a story the other night that he kicked one of his players and yelled at him. I mean, you should never do that as a coach. But you can't do that to these guys. They will report you, and he's gone. Paul Feinbaum from ESPN, who's probably the leading journalist on college football, says Urban Meyer's coaching career is dead. He'll never coach again. Um, the NFL announced this week that they're going to start playing team, uh, playing games in lots more areas. You know they've played in London. But they're going to expand their game internationally. And uh, they're calling it the International Home Marketing Area Program. They named all these regions where NFL clubs will be able to negotiate basically like a mini stadium agreement. So you've got your home stadium, you're the Buffalo Bills or you're the Miami Dolphins or whatever, but now you're going to have a home away from home. So NFL fans in eight other countries can now connect to pro football teams. You won't be surprised to hear that China is one of those countries. I think you'd be surprised if it wasn't, right? But I thought this was interesting. When they published the map... Uh, of the world that showed where uh, the NFL games are going to be played, Taiwan is now part of China. On the map, Taiwan is shown as part of China. Well, to the Chinese communists, it is. It's a rebellious republic. It's a red state. (laughs) But it's actually a sovereign nation. It's not included in this, and it's not part of China. Do you think the NFL made a mistake? Do you, th- do you think some uh, some knucklehead in the commissioner's office just color-coded the map wrong? I guess that's possible. Seems like maybe they were um, showing a little deference, showing a little, uh, you know, a little love to President Xi. 
China is totally against the concept of Taiwan as its own country. The NFL doesn't have to take a position on that one way or the other, but coloring it on the map to show it as part of China is a pretty bold statement. It's a statement of solidarity with communist China. It's a statement against the sovereignty and the freedom of the millions of people of Taiwan. So, it's not part of China yet, but it's part of China as far as the NFL is concerned. Yeah, the Urban Meyer thing is interesting because you you have all these, um, I, whatever you want to call them, strikes against him, right? Um, the performance of the team, the erratic behavior on the sideline, the erratic use of players, the abusive players, the... And, and then, and then you had the incident um, early in the season when um, he was in that bar and was grinding or dancing up against that woman that was not his wife. The irony is that isn't what did it. I mean, that was really crazy, and it dominated the news for a few days. Um, but that really isn't what did it. He could have been all those things if he had been winning. And he wasn't winning. I hate to say that. I'm not saying that's how it should be. That doesn't sound right. But if we're going to be honest, I try to be honest with you. If 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 he was if he wasn't two and eleven, if he was like nine and four, they'd be talking him up for coach of the year, and they'd say those things. All that other stuff was just oh, he's a colorful character. That's how sports is, whether we like it or not. All right, so um, there's, a, there's a cream cheese shortage, apparently, allegedly. And uh, a lot of people like to make things with cream cheese for the holidays, like cheesecake. So the people at Kraft have come up with an interesting idea. Um, they're making a, a limited-time offer on a special website where they will pay you not to make cheesecake for Christmas. Um, They're going to limit it to, I think there's 20,000 people that can get in on this. Uh, You submit your receipts for whatever you bought, for whatever you made instead of the cheesecake, I guess if you'll say you made brownies or something, and they will reimburse you up to $20 if you're one of the first 20,000 people or whatever it is. To, and this is supposed to put a positive spin or show that they have a heart. I, I gotta admit, I, I, I like it. It's kind of clever. I'm sure it's annoying to people that can't get cream cheese, but it's kind of a, that, that's, somebody's using their, their, uh, head for more than a hat rack over there at their advertising agency. I like that. The, um, news yesterday came out about the National Archives and the JFK assassination. There's something like, Eighteen or 19,000 documents that the National Archives has relevant to the JFK assassination. They declassified about 1,500 of them yesterday under uh, the order of President Biden. Now, I'm glad that that's happening. That's a, a historical event that I'm fascinated by. I just wonder, and I've never really heard a good explanation for why any of it would still need to be uh, top secret or held 
in confidentiality. They said, or they used the boilerplate language of, well, we're uh, preserving, um, you know, various uh, intelligence sources. Uh, we're protecting uh, ongoing government operations. Could there be anybody left alive who was connected or involved with this? And if they are, they're 80 or 90. It's it's kind of mind-boggling to think, and I'm not saying I'm sure of this, but my surmise would be this is more about not wanting to tell people what we know than somehow endangering intelligence gathering or technology. I would think the stuff that's most sensitive right now, the the means of gathering intelligence that is most sensitive right now, it, it didn't exist in 1963. I mean, I'm all for protecting that stuff, but that that stuff wasn't in play in 1963. So, I um I saw this in a number of places, worded a number of different ways. I made my Jack Riccardi just a minute video about it today, and uh, I thought this was so well said. I don't know who said it first, but it's been reposted and retweeted. It says, um, women, when the man in your life says he doesn't want anything for Christmas, he's not being hard to shop for. He's being honest. Men buy what they want and need all throughout the year. Christmas for men is about children. On Christmas morning, we want to watch our families, opening presents, getting excited, we want to drink some coffee, we want a Christmas movie on, we want to put the stuff together and put in the batteries, we want to watch all of you enjoy all of it. We have all we need. If we have that, it's true. We really mean it when we say, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. But I hope you will stick around. This I do want for our mini concert, our Rappin' with Jack finale. It's coming up next. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Live, it's Rappin' with Jack. Tonight, live music from Ken Slavin. Now, here's Jack. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Rappin' with Jack finale event, which is um, a 23-year tradition for us, working with Family Service Association, supporting the families and the work that they do uh, is so much a part of our heart here at KTSA and here on this show. Um, And we always want to be able to say thank you in as many different ways and as often as we can. And uh, tonight we are going to do that with the people that helped us make this campaign successful. And we're going to explain what successful means. And we're going to hear some terrific Christmas music from Ken Slavin and Barry Brake accompanying him. And, in fact, let's bring them into the picture here right now and say good evening to both of them. Ken, it's good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you, Jack. Merry Christmas. And I hear Barry. Yes, I hope you can. Barry, kind of lean over toward me. There he is. I see him. Okay. You see him? Yeah, there he is in the background. In the yeah, background, in the background, visually, but not musically. In the, no, he's right, right here. It's the 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 visual aspect of this setting is a little off-putting because I'm in a very my very tiny little living room in the front of the house, and I'm literally I'm up against my bar, and then he is over my shoulder. But anyway, we feel Ken's like it's up, cozy. Ken's up against the, the bar. Up. What else? What else is new? Ken's up against the bar. You know. 
Well, you know, it's a cry for help. Have to say Merry Christmas. Yeah, look at you. Look at that. Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> listen. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the house because we're in a lot of people's homes and cars right yeah. now, and we want to say thank you for the generosity and the response to Rapping with Jack this year. We're going to talk about this a little bit later with Mary Gar from Family Service Association, but it was a phenomenal year of fundraising and oh, gift donation. And we're just very grateful for everybody that made that possible. And part of that meant that we needed businesses to support this campaign and be the drop-off locations. Our title sponsor for Rapping with Jack is none other than Joel and the team at Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and air conditioning. Joel, there you are. How are you doing, sir? Hey, guys. How are y'all today? It's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, it's great to be uh, be able to uh, sit here and not have Ken take the microphone from me. So I'm looking forward to uh, accompanying him on some uh, jingles here in a moment. You know. Oh, we love that. <laughs> you can as chime as, in anytime you'd like, Joel. As long as they I don't hit you. mute on me, you know. I ask you this every year. Why is your heart so... Uh, into why is it so important to you and to your company to support Rapid with Jack? I mean, so we have had several of our of our families, when I say our families, our quarter moon families, that have benefited um, not only from serving with Rapid with Jack, but actually from family services. And so um, it's just a it's just a wonderful thing to know their stories, to hear their stories, to see they, them grow because of the support they got. I mean, why wouldn't you want to turn around and give back to something that made your guys, your, your guys better, your family better. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the main reason. The other reason is it's just the right thing to do. It's a good thing. It supports local families. It's all local. It's not going anywhere corporate. It's not going anywhere, um, out of state. And, um, it's just a wonderful thing. You're, uh, and you know, the nature of your business is you're in and out of people's homes, which means that you're in and out of family life and you see all kinds mm -hmm. of circumstances and uh, the struggles people have and the good fortune that people have. And um, one of the things I think is really cool, and you, you, you came up with this idea some years ago, you said, you know, we can have all of our trucks be drop-off locations. <clears throat> That was revolutionary. We had never thought of that before. Every van, every truck could be a potential drop-off location. Yeah, and we are always happy to do that. We try and promote it as much as possible. We tell our guys to talk about it. Um, somewhere along the way, over the course of uh, this campaign, we have two boxes of stuff in our front lobby over here that is going to family services, That's whether wonderful. it's backpack, toys, all that sort of good stuff. So it's all here. Um, we're thankful for everybody that walked in to our office, that walked up to our guys, that just gave because of what they heard on the radio and gave because of what's in their heart. Well, we're grateful to you, too. And thank you uh, to you. Please thank all of them for us at Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. I will. I will. tell Nigel that he missed out, you know, but he usually clocks out at like 2.30 anyway oh. on Thursday. So <laughs> it's fine. He's uh, been thrown under the bus again this year, hasn't he? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't you? Well, this is all yeah. about tradition. We're keeping all these traditions <laughs> going. Absolutely. Right. Joel, thank you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, KTSA, for all y'all do. Um, this is, you know, between Raul Jimenez and this, this is, um, gosh, it's why we love KTSA 
so much is because they share the same heart for the community that we do. And uh, we're just thankful that y'all asked, and we're glad we could do it. We appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas to you as well. Let me bring in, um, we've got uh, Dr. Mark Havercore in River City Oral Surgery, another one of our uh, sponsors and drop-off locations. Um, You and I have talked a lot about this. You have posted a lot about it in your social media. So I'm going to put the same question to you, but you can't copy Joel's answer. (laughs) Okay. Why? We thank you for doing all this. We thank you for supporting it. Why? Why is it important to you? You know, Jack, I I brought my kids uh, to the event before I was ever on the radio, before, um, you know, I was ever associated with KTSA. And it, it was important to my wife and I just for our kids to be involved in the community, to give back, uh, you know, we're very blessed. The, the company's growing. Um, my wife and I do well. I don't want my kids to, um, to think that uh, – I want my kids to realize that, that what they have is kind of special, um, and I want them to have a heart to serve other people. You know, that's kind of something that we, that we try to do here I, I like to take time to talk to the patients and, and, and explain things and, and, and really relate to them and not be a salesperson. I don't want my kids to have the same thing. I, I just want them uh, to look for ways to help people and, and enjoy helping people and be a part of it. So I think that's probably what really drew me to this in the beginning. Yeah. Well, we're very grateful to your support and for being a drop-off location and um, certainly hope that your staff and your team and your family have a very Merry Christmas because you've certainly helped a lot of other people do that. Well, thank you. I, I, same for you guys. And thanks for letting us uh, be a part of this. Thank you, Dr. Mark Havercorn, River City Oral Surgery. Another partner that we've had for years and we really appreciate it. goes back to a, a long friendship I had uh, with uh, Jens Hansen at Copenhagen uh, Furniture. And Allison Galt from Copenhagen is also joining us tonight on our Wrapping with Jack uh, finale. Allison, it's good to see you again. How are you? Nice to see you. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Uh, Copenhagen, uh, I'm going to brag on you guys a little bit. You always draw a lot of donations. You just have the one store here in San Antonio, but it, it gets hit pretty hard. Oh, my goodness. You're not even kidding. I mean, we don't even put that box out before it's full. And we're taking things to our back office. And then over the last three years, we've been so blessed because we have donors that are bringing things like bicycles and scooters and things for kids to do. Um, You know, they're trapped inside so much with all this um, COVID for the last few years. And it's just, it's honestly just warms our heart. And it's just so much fun for us. We are so surrounded by beauty in that store every day, but there is nothing more beautiful than when um, people start arriving with their donations for the community. It's just it's just heartwarming. That is well said, and we definitely agree. And you're in a high-traffic location there in the vineyard, the big, are. beautiful store. So obviously, um, I'm always glad when I see that you guys have signed on for another year because we know that's an important location for drop-offs and donations. Um, and I hope that you will convey to your team, your staff, and Certainly, we want to wish your family as well. Very Merry Christmas and all our gratitude. Of course, of course. And I'll, I'll convey that to everyone. Um, you know, we're all big fans of yours personally and professionally. And please do not forget that we do things with family service throughout the year. We, um, we collaborate on more than just this um, giving season. We collaborate all year long. They're such a, a worthy charity and such a worthy cause in this community and so important. Yes. 
So it's, it's really an honor for us to participate. So we thank you for that. Allison Galt, Copenhagen, thank you very much. We appreciate your being Bye, here guys. tonight. Thank you very Bye. much. Merry Christmas to you. And a big thank you uh, to the Institute for Functional Health and Dr. Torres. He couldn't be with us tonight, but they also were a drop-off sponsor. They have been steadfast in supporting Rapping with Jack. And um, if they're listening, thank you. We love you. We appreciate your being part of this. We thank all of our sponsors. We thank everyone who, uh, obviously, who donated. And we're going to thank you with the gift of Ken Slavin's beautiful seasonal music, along with the beautiful and seasonal Barry Break. Yes, um, he's and beautiful, I, beautiful. I thought we would start with, um, you know, let's just start with a standard, right? I mean, Jingle Bells, can't go yes. wrong with that, right? Would you give us, would you hit us with some Jingle Bells? I would be happy to, Jack. I think, and I think one of the things about this song is it became a Christmas classic. But I think it it what doesn't it's not about Christmas. It's about, it's one of those songs that was yeah was written just for winter. That's right. And by the way, I want to say you're great about knowing the backstories. You know more of the backstories on. Oh, these don't songs. tempt so me. If you want to chime in on them, you tell me. I um I pick songs for a variety of reasons. Sometimes the backstory, sometimes not but usually just because the lyrics speak to me or the melody speaks to me in some way. But I've been getting a kick out of what you do every year with the countdowns of great songs, the countdowns of not so great songs. <laughs> well, the good news is we're done with the not so great. So from that's here right. on out, now it's, it's, nothing, all... it's nothing but great. That's right. Well, okay, well, we'll, we'll start with uh, some jazzy jingle bells for you, Jack. open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, we're laughing all the way. Bells on balcony, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Oh, jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Mr. Berry Break, dashing through the snow, in a one-horse open sleigh, sorry Jack, all the fields we go, laughing all the way, and bells above your ring, making spirits bright, what fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight, I said jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle all the way. As we come back to our live broadcast on KTSA and on the KTSA Facebook page, Jack Riccardi along with Ken Slavin and Barry Brake, we're saying thank you as we wrap up our 2021 campaign for uh, Rapping with Jack. And that was a beautiful uh, rendition of Mary Did You Know. That's a that's a beautiful song and very nicely played there by Barry Brake. And you, you two guys, just in case people don't know, you're not only great friends, but you've played together 
all over the world, all over the city, and in, in all kinds of seasons and places, right? All kinds yes. of joints. Yes. Well, I think mostly joints, right? Mostly. There. <laughs> we were we were both we were talking about that a minute ago. I got an offer to do some New Year's a New Year's performance at a at a couple of very nice places, but I wasn't this year. I wasn't interested in being in that crowd that you would normally think of in a big lounge or something. And although I've most of my career, I've, I've done that, and Barry too. But we've had some very glamorous engagements too here and there, Jack. And we've had a like lot of this fun. one, like, like this, this one. one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're on your we're on your wonderful program, and we're in a very cozy living room, and we're yeah, enjoying it's very it. Very nice. Room. Looks very nice. We all, we all wish we could be there, and we kind of are. Uh, so um, we're going to be, as we go along, we're going to be saying thank you and expressing our thanks. Mary Gar from Family Service Association is going to join us, um, I think, when we get her set up and ready. Um, but in the meantime, since you did invite me, you did open the door. Yes. Um, I love the backstory. Have you ever heard the backstory of Winter Wonderland? I'm not certain I have, Jack, and, and maybe you can refresh my memory, and maybe I will find out that I have. If not, it'll be something wonderful I, to know. I just, it's another one of those songs that we associate with Christmas, but if you listen to it, it really is just, it's a winter song. Right. Um, the man that wrote it uh, was named Richard Bernhard Smith. He was uh, laid up with tuberculosis one winter hmm. in a small town in Pennsylvania, and these lyrics came to him when he looked out the window at a little park in this little town. In Pennsylvania, I don't know the name of the town, but you can imagine when you hear the song, he's describing every small town in the wintertime. Yes, especially there, you know, those beautiful kind of Courier and Ives little towns in Pennsylvania. I can picture it in my mind with the snowdrifts and the little stores and everything. It's amazing. So Ken and Barry without tuberculosis and winter <laughs> wonderland. <laughs> yes, I'd be happy to. In the meadow we can build a snowman 
and pretend that he's a circus clown. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman until the other kitties knock him down. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made. Oh, I love it. You guys are swinging it tonight. I love that. That was a very swingy walk through that winter wonderland with Ken Slavin and Barry Brake here on KTSA and live streaming on the 550 KTSA Facebook page. By the way, why don't you tell us where you are right now? If you're listening uh, or watching us on Facebook, comment on Facebook where you are. Tell uh, Ken what you'd like to hear. Uh, yes. You know, maybe you got a request or Absolutely. you just played your favorite song. And we'll put those comments on the screen as we go along here. Uh, we're joined also now by Mary Gar, the president of Family Service Association, uh, for whom this is all, uh, this is what it's all about, supporting Family Service Association. Absolutely. Mary, good to see you again. Jack, it's great to see you and love listening to Ken anytime. Thank sure you, Mary. Is. You know, I was thinking today, Mary, we, we have X number of weeks that we do this on the air and we put out the word for, for donations of money and gifts. But I don't know if I've ever told you how far in advance, way before we start talking about it on the radio, people start com contacting me saying, hey, when is it going to be? When is it going to start? How can I help? That is a real testimony, I think, to your organization and to its credibility, right? Thank you so very much. We work so hard, you know, with our teams to to just try to help meet community needs, which just seem to keep growing every year. And, and I do want to say I love that your sponsors were talking about the heart of the community and that Joel was talking about how, you know, even some of his, his own team, you know, staff members and families have used family service services. You never know when you might be the family who has these kinds of needs. So when you can give one year, know that next year you might be the one needing help. And then the year after that or down, down the road, you'll be in turn giving that help again to others. It's just a wonderful way of our community showing its heart and, and community spirit. I think, too, um, it's it makes our job putting out the appeal easier when people know your organization, its integrity, that all the aid and effort stays right here and goes right here. And I think people have told me over the years, it's very compelling to know that these are families that you all work with all throughout the year. So you know not only that they really are in need, but you know with specificity what their needs are. Absolutely. We are a local organization. We aren't national. Everything that is donated stays here. And, and we know the needs of the clients we serve. We know the challenges and what they're going through. And, 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 and we know what they need and just to help get them through. And so we're thankful that we can help broadcasters through you and then be able to bring these, these um supports to them in a way that couldn't be done otherwise. So thank you all so much. Well, I'll tell you what, I I love working with all of you. Um, it's easy to work with you because, again, you have so much credibility and so much love in the community. Um, we hope that we can help all these families. 
Uh, we hope that everyone will feel like they count, that nobody feels forgotten this year. And thank you for doing that. Uh, absolutely. And, and as you noted, sometimes people with these challenges feel they're all alone and by themselves. And having them know that there are those out there willing and able to support them, it really helps to give them that hope that they can enter that next year knowing that there's a chance for them to, to really move on to a better path. And that's what we're here for. And we were here before the pandemic. We're here now still in the middle of the pandemic. And a key point is, is we will be here as long as there are families who need our help and we're able to help serve them. Well, God bless you, Mary. And everybody at Family Service Association, please thank Katie and Francesca and everybody that we work with, all the volunteers as well. And I hope you and your family have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. You, you all do as well. And our staff, thank you for all the, the hard work you provide them so that they can do the hard work they do in the community. Merry Christmas to all of you out there. And thank you so much for everything you do for us and for the families we serve in our community. Merry thank Christmas you, and, and Happy New Year. Same to you and yours. Mary Gar, the president of Family Service Association. We're going to ask Barry to tickle those ivories a little bit on our way into the news. And yes. then when we come back from the news, we're going to hear more from Ken and Barry. And we're going to say thank you on this special Family Service Association wrapping with Jack Finale on Facebook and on 550 KTSA. And above all the bustle you Ken Slavin and Barry Brake, continuing our thank you to everyone finale wrap-up for Wrapping with Jack. It's a wrap-up of Wrap-In on That's Facebook right. and on KTSA. That's a good way to put it. And um, we're on the radio, so during the breaks, if you're watching on Facebook, you're getting even more music uh, because they keep right on singing and playing and Ken danced a little bit during that last break. I'm yes, I did. That. It was incredible. <laughs> I thought the, frankly, I, I, I thought the somersault was just showing off, but you know, whatever. I mean, you can do it. You can pull it off. But well, you did mention, I want to, I want to point out, you did mention your Christmas show coming up at Sam's yeah. Burger Joint. Mm -hmm. And I want to plug that because I'm going, I've got tickets oh, and I'm going to go. And oh, I, I'm, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope everybody will fill every seat at Sam's. Wednesday oh, night, right? Yes, yes. It's going to be a, the four-piece band. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll do some uh, of the Christmas stuff. We'll do some of the great standards that we love to do. The band gets to show off because they're, you know, they're all spiffed up, and it's a four-piece band, and there is going to be a I'm going to have a little guest appearance by uh, 
young man who a young trumpet player who's um, the son of a friend of mine so i'm gonna be happy to introduce him to people and um it's just gonna be fun i'm glad you can come jack because there have been a lot of holiday seasons where you're just too there's too much happening and you couldn't come so well you know ken i um i'm off next week so i thought i have to be there i'm, I'm thrilled i had i had heard there was there were some off some people. So there were some off people at KTS. Oh, uh, you're talking to one of them. I, I'm, I'm very off. Um, no, but I'm, you, glad you're, I'm glad you'll be there, and, and you'll get to see my family. Yes. I'll be able to introduce you to them. You guys sound great. We're going to get to another song here in a minute. I want to say hi to some listeners. Ruth and Teresa, uh, a friend of yours and mine, Christopher Palmer, wanted me to say hi to you. Oh, great. That, hi, Chris. Yeah, yeah and uh, a lot of people are telling us that they're listening right now as they're making dinner or they're driving home and they're with their family, picking up their kids, all those things that are part of everyday life. And tonight yeah. we're adding in a little Ken Slavin and Barry break. And, uh, and we're saying thank you for supporting Rapping with Jack. And as I think Mary made a good point. You know, you, you may be in a position this year where you gave to Rapping with Jack and you supported <laughs> Family Service Association, but you never know there, but for the grace of God, someday you may need the help and um, it'll be there for you just as you were there for somebody this year. Somebody is going to open. I love the image that somebody's going to open a Christmas present, you know, Ken, on Christmas morning that will be the only gift they get because of the donations that came in over these last several weeks. That's the difference between nothing and at least something. Oh, it's beautiful. And I, I, I love the fact, I love the whole way this works. And I've been so happy to be, a part of it with you every year for so many years and they they do wonderful work and it's meaningful to these families to be able to do this for their families it's a it's a beautiful thing and i'm i'm glad it went so well this year i'm glad there was such a great response in terms of the donations jack well we were just very grateful and um since so many people are heading for home tonight or will be traveling soon we've got to have that song that speaks to the heart about being home for christmas and and, and hoping you'll be with loved ones. It's kind of a wistful song, you know, and yes. because the, the point of view of the, of the person singing it is you can tell they're really not going to be home oh, for yes. Christmas. But whether you will be or won't be, enjoy this from, from Ken Slavin and, and Barry Brake. Sure thing. You can 
days have snow and mistletoe and have presents on the tree of Christmas Eve we find me where the love light gleams yes I For Christmas, if only might No, oh, that was so great. Ken Slavin, accompanied by Barry Brake, and riding along in the car or sitting on the kitchen counter with all of us here on Rapping with Jack, our finale concert. You know, Ken, I wanted to ask you, because I think you and I have had some of the same experiences with this music growing up. Yes. Do you remember the great Christmas specials that different entertainers would have? As a kid, that's when you heard these songs for the first time in many cases. Right? Yes, absolutely. And when, when I'm performing them year after year, especially in the kind of style that, that I do them in, I'm always, I remember the Andy Williams Christmas special. I remember uh, Dean Martin. I remember um, Jackie Gleason would do a Christmas yeah. special. Um, How about Perry Como? Oh, now I should have said Perry Como first because first and foremost, Perry Como was my father's favorite. Yeah. And so it wasn't Christmas till he heard Perry Como sing Oh Holy Night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, these uh, these songs, I think, um, and what I love about doing this with you every year is that I believe there are young people now who will someday hear these songs in their adult years, and you will be the one that they remember. Oh, and my This God. concert will be what they remember as that's when I first fell in love with that song. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That's so beautiful, Jack. That would be awfully nice, wouldn't it? So, um, you know, you're to somebody out there, Ken, you are their Perry Como. Wow. Well, it doesn't. I don't know what that makes Barry, but uh, you know. That's that's right. What did you say, Barry? I said, you're my Martha Tilton. I don't know why he said that. Sorry. You know, there's there's a time to be irrepressible, and then there's times to repress. Yeah, he'll be repressing his piano player here in a minute, but um, there'll be a a reckoning. But um, since you just sang a song about going home for the holidays coming up next we'll have another song and we'll also have the results on our jr poll tonight which are about uh air travel the question is about air travel so that's all going to tie in as we continue we'll hear a little more music here as we go to break on the radio and continue live streaming on facebook it's our wrapping with jack finale on ktsa and on the 550 ktsa facebook page excellent You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is a coming to town. We three kings in his inimitable jazz
love that. That was yeah. great. Isn't that wonderful? Barry's giving a taste of that because you know Barry and and his band, the Jazz Protagonist, they have a wonderful Christmas album, Jack, and it, it's it's downloadable on on yeah on Apple Music. It's called We Three Kings. Very nice. It's called We Three Kings. It's the Jazz Protagonist, and uh, it's available on all, all the streaming sites. Lots and lots of fun stuff. Barry needs to come out of his shell and start, you know, finally promoting his work. I mean, it's finally, it's finally. Um, that um, was no, great. I, I, I wanted, I wanted to tell you, Ken. By the way, um, so many people are commenting that this has made their day, made oh. their night. Because even though we promoted it, I'm sure it caught a lot of people by surprise. It doesn't sound like a regular hour, and um, <laughs> it's just a nice in a year with a lot of not nice surprises. It's a nice surprise. People are saying to hear. Well, this, so. isn't that not? It's wonderful, and I do know you have a you have a very very um, high listenership at this time of night when people are driving home from work i'm one of them i listen to you when i'm driving home from work and yes sometimes the well we know what the, we know what subject matter we're dealing with these days and it, it's kind of nice to take a little break we from need it, that. It? yeah we need a little break by the way um i'll just dip into that subject matter very quickly on our poll tonight we asked uh, are you flying over the holidays uh and 12 percent said yes 88 percent said no and i think those 88 percent will be very happy people <laughs> um, <laughs> actually I, I did fly over Thanksgiving week, and for whatever it's worth, it was way better than I thought it would be. Um, not that my flights are a scientific representation, but the flights were on time. Uh, everybody in the airlines was was terrific. Uh, people behaved themselves on the plane. So I don't believe, yeah, you know, don't believe that it, it, it's you're doomed. If you have to fly next week, you, you might have a lovely time. It might be very nice. Yeah. I was hap I was pleasantly surprised going to and from New York the week after Thanksgiving, and I mean, other than you know the discomfort of wearing a mask all the time, um, there were any, nothing was delayed, no luggage lost, and I think most people were pretty um, good sports about what they had to go through to to be able Absolutely. to do the trip. Absolutely, yeah. we're gonna have time for one more song. I'm gonna. Well, then you request. know what that needs to be. You I know. What I, that you needs know to be. We we know what it's gonna be, and, and I, I got to say, it's 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 one of those songs that not only I love, but it's it's also it's another one of those songs that has a great story. Uh, Jules Stein and and uh, and Sammy Kahn wrote this song under duress for Frank Sinatra, which is duress enough all by itself, right? Yeah. Um, but he needed a B side for White Christmas. And this was the B-side for his oh, single release of I White Christmas. Knew. It's an amazing, beautiful, I think underappreciated song. You guys do it so well. Will you uh, play us out tonight with of Christmas course Waltz? we will. And we say thank you again for doing this. And if you love this music, you can get a lot more of it with Ken uh, Wednesday night at Sam's Burger Joint. Uh, just go online to Sam's Burger Joint Facebook page and get all the ticket information right there. Thank you so much, Jack. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside, faded candy canes on the tree. Santa's on his way, he's filled his sleigh with things, things for you and for me. It's that time of year when the world falls in love.
every song you hear seems to say Merry Christmas May your new year dream come true And this song of mine in three quarter time Wishes you and yours the same thing too.